You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Terry Riley, which is part three from the series, The In-Between Times. For more info, please visit creekside.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, Man, it's great to have you with us. I want to welcome everybody online, Facebook, uh, via the website, and just say thanks so much for joining with us this Memorial Day weekend. And by the way, um, we have a connection uh, button there that you can push, a little icon, and we'd love to have you. If you haven't connected with us and taken that and filled it out and let us know that you're watching and you're joining with us, if you have a prayer request, please let us know, but we'd sure love to hear from you. And we just want to thank you uh, today for being with us and uh, our hope and prayer is that you have a great weekend and that maybe there'll be some wonderful opportunities to connect with your family. So, Father, we come this morning. Thanks for a great day, a beautiful weekend, and that what we get to share together around your word. So we pray your blessing and your grace upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in this series. It's called The Time In Between. It's that place in life where we're not where we once were, but we're kind of in the middle and up in the air as to where we're going. And that's really true about where we are. There's so many things that are unsure, even as we plan, uh, as we heard President Trump talk about, open our churches, they are essential and needed. Uh, We're trying to figure out what that's going to look like. We're going to hear from Governor Newsom tomorrow. But this is a unique time in the history of most of our lives where we find ourselves at a time in between. And and hear me, friends, it's so important because your personal response to this time in between will determine uh, whether or not your journey will result in deep lasting growth and you'll come out better for it, or, well, it might cause some bitterness in your life and be somewhat destructive to your soul. So we're looking at Moses and God's people in the book of Exodus, in their Exodus, because that's what the book of Exodus means. It just simply means exiting. And they're getting ready to leave Egypt and respond to God's call to lead them into the promised land. So last week, we looked at chapter three as God calls Moses and he says, I want you Uh, to lead my people out. And then we see in chapters three and four, continuing where Moses, he gives God all these reasons and all these excuses about all of his inadequacies and why he can't lead them out. And God looks at him and basically says, listen, Jack, I've called you. You can do it. I am with you. And so what I'm going to do, grab your brother and he can be a mouthpiece and help speak with you and for you and be with you. So today we want to see how Moses takes on this incredibly dangerous task of standing before the Egyptian pharaoh Ramses and begin to demand to him, God is saying, let my people go. And it's important to remember that God's love letter, God's Bi- the Bible is God's love letter to us, to all of humanity. It gives us wonderful guidelines, protective guardrails, well, to protect and watch over our life. Uh, But as we know in love, and one of the great roses representing love is 
a rose, well, roses have thorns. And today, we're going to kind of look at a, a, a thorny part of the scripture that kind of sticks a lot of people in the wrong way. And it's a little bit controversial. It can be misunderstood if you lean too far, I believe, into one way. So I'm going to try and give you a flyby in the next 25 minutes. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Uh, Jesus said, watch over your heart, because it's out of our heart that all of the issues of life end up flowing out. You can see where a person is. You can see the residence of their life based on what comes out of their mouth and what is happening in and through their heart. And it's important that we note this because 14 times it's noted about Pharaoh in chapter 7 through 14 of Exodus, it says that he had a hardened heart or that his heart was being hardened. And so I want to go to the New Testament today and start there in Hebrews chapter 2 and look at a passage where they're looking back at this time and they make some quantitative, quantitative statements about what took place there. As in the New Testament, they're reminding God's people, uh, don't, don't get a hardened heart. Because see, sometimes we see that the hardened heart only happened to Pharaoh uh, but through the scriptures, we're reminded that it also happened in the hearts of God's people. So if you turn to Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to pick it up in, in, chapter, in verse 7, chapter 2, verse 7. And now the book of Hebrews is just really, it's a whole book that is extolling and lifting up the supremacy of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done, that he is so much greater than the angels, and in this part, so much greater than Moses. But he says, by the way, I don't want you to forget what happened when Moses was leading. So let's read it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested me and tried me, and they saw my works for 40 years and it still took place. Therefore, I was provoked with this generation and said, they always go astray with their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter in to my rest. And we'll be looking at this uh, through the next few weeks of how God's people come out, they're freed, they're excited, and then all of a sudden, uh, they begin to doubt and become hardened toward what God was trying to do because everything wasn't perfect. And they didn't handle well the in-between time that God was leading them into to grow them and to develop them and to move them from people that lived like slaves to people that were a conquering people. He says, watch out, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an evil or unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. But he says, I want to encourage you. I want you to encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become companions of Jesus the Messiah. And if we hold firmly, uh, firmly unto the end of that reality that we had to start, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So this heart issue is, is so important. But what's the thorny issue? What's the theological controversy? Well, it kind of centers in on one point because there's the idea here we see clearly uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 5, 
We see this, this, that God is working in Pharaoh's life as well as Moses and his people's lives. And the thing we see there is the sovereignty of God. And it says over 14 times that either God hardened Pharaoh's heart or that Pharaoh's heart was being hardened. So many people see this incident that, that man is simply a puppet on God's life stage. And we just simply have to live out everything where he is le not leading us, but he is puppeteering us and moving us around. Uh, other people emphasize the theology of the free will of man, where we have the ability to be able to make decisions, live them out and make decisions as to part of how our destiny is played out in life. Others see this event between Pharaoh and God and Moses that it displays completely the compatibility of man and God's ways converging and their will taking place. Uh, this debate has raged for centuries and we're not going to be able to settle it today in this few minutes, all of it, but it's important to wrestle with. It's important to think through because when we see these truths, they need to be able to exist in some kind of dynamic tension. Because if you go to the extremes, the free will of man or the sovereignty of God, and you're not able to dovetail them, uh, that's when we can get into some difficulty theologically in our belief system as well as in our life. We want to learn from this example of Pharaoh. We're not here to debate his responses, but we want to check our heart, your heart, my heart responses that are taking place today in our time in between. As we're going to see in the next few weeks, everything is preparation. This is preparation for God's people who ultimately begin to struggle with their own belief and unbelief in terms of what God was saying and doing in their lives. So if you look at chapter five, Exodus chapter five, it starts this way. It says, now later Moses and Aaron went and they said this to Pharaoh. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. Let my people go so that they can hold the festival for me in the wilderness. They wanted to go and they wanted to worship God on their own terms, in their own way, in their own culture and in their biblical manifestation of how to do that. Well, Pharaoh responded, uh, who is the Lord that I should obey him by letting Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And what's more, I am not going to let Israel go. So this becomes fighting words. This is the Old Testament equivalent of the OK Corral. God and Pharaoh begin to face off. And so we see this confrontation between God and and Pharaoh. Now, most of us are well aware of the Ten Commandments and, and the ten plagues that God brought on Egypt each time that Moses went before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. God says, let my people go. And every time that Pharaoh would say, no, I'm not going to let them go. Well, a couple of things happened. First of all, God sent a plague. And secondly, his heart became hardened. So, so what is this idea of a hard heart? Well, in the, in, in the seven chapters where the word is used, there's three different words for it. Uh, there's hazag. Uh, it's the most frequently used, and it's used 12 times. And it has to do with you make a strong and strengthening commitment to something, and you become hardened through it. There's also kabed. It's used five times, and it, it expresses dullness 
insensitivity to what is taking place. So there began to be this dullness and insensitivity of Pharaoh to what God was doing and saying through Moses. And the one that is used once is Kesa, which has to do with becoming stubborn and stiff-necked. Uh, they're all kind of picturesque, but when you put them together and see them in their context, they express the same truth, that Pharaoh was really became and made more tenacious in his chosen path and unwillingness to listen to God and let his people go each time that Moses came to him and challenged him with what God was speaking to him. Sometimes it was Pharaoh simply confirming the course. You'll see in the 14 to 16 times that it's stated here in the book of Exodus, chapter 7 through 14, you'll see where it says, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. In other places, you'll say, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And you kind of see, it seems like almost where God gives him this added courage or this added boost to continue to walk in his stubborn ways. The key is, is this term does not exclude Pharaoh from making decisions and choosing his own way. And this is really important. And again, this is where the, 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 the theological weeds begin to grow and we can get lost in them because people are asking and you hear it. Well, <clears throat> where is God in all of this with COVID-19? See the author of it? The creator of it? Did he send it to teach us a lesson, to punish us, to get people's attention? I don't know. But it's interesting, a lot of people uh, are making statements like that, that that is the reason why. And our th theology becomes so important in all of this because our beliefs will ultimately determine our behavior. And we have to be really careful in speaking for God and stepping outside of his word that he gives us to use. Otherwise, people begin to see and use God as this fear tactic to move people somewhere. So did God send it? Is, is God uh, behind it? I don't really think so, uh, but I'm not, I don't know because I'm not going to speak for God in this. Because most of the time, whenever you see God bring plagues, it was always against another people, not his own. Whenever you see Jesus in the New Testament, it was never to walk around and bring unhealth or sickness or death to the people around him. Every time Jesus touched somebody in the New Testament... It was to bring health and wholeness and healing. But, but I want to be square with you that there's a lot of theologians out there that believe that, yeah, God does this kind of stuff and he has purpose behind it. I'm not here to argue it. I just want you to know you got to wrestle this through because what you believe in God will dictate and determine a lot of how you respond to him. See, I'm of the, I'm of the belief that a lot of this happens because we're all part of the fallen race that is traced back to Genesis chapter 3. See, I believe the truth of John 3.16 and the verse right after it that most people aren't aware of. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that he would come and he would die for our sins. And whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He's not saying you're not going to die. You're not going to die spiritually. You're going to have eternal life spiritually with him. But here's the part that a lot of people forget about right after that. God says, you know what? 
if you believe in Jesus, you're going to live. You're going to have eternal life. But then he adds this that I think is so important for us to understand. For God did not send his son Jesus into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Again, theologians call this, this period, this season of time, we're talking about it being the time in between, but theologians said that for since the time of Jesus, we've been in this time called the dispensation of grace, where we get to hear the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and we get to respond to it. Because Jesus came, he gave his life, he came to forgive us of our sins, and we simply get to be responders to his great grace and this dispensation of grace. He didn't come to judge us now. Now, let me be sure and underscore this. There will come that time. Believe it or not, Jesus will be our ultimate judge. But that's not why he came now. He didn't come to judge us. He came to lead us to himself and to respond to his grace. So Moses goes in, he says, God says, let my people go. And it's so easy for people when they read these Bible stories to see God as this punitive deity or the other extreme, they believe he's this doting grandfather when really he's, he's somewhere in between. We can't miss his character in what he says and what he does. But a lot of people say, oh, there goes God. He just sends a plague and destroys these people. You gotta be kidding me. What kind of loving God is that? Well, again, you kind of take it at its face value instead of what's really taking place there. Because God is saying very clearly, I am the God of all. I am the Lord of the universe. And let me tell you, friends, his wrath will be played out at the end of history as we know it. But here's what people miss. God's grace was so evident in this whole story in the book of evidence and we'll, excuse me, in the book of Exodus and we'll be talking about that in the weeks ahead. But don't miss, God preached to Pharaoh and the Egyptians in every one of those plagues. That was their come to Jesus, come to God moment. And he's speaking to them. In every plague, God was preaching to the Egyptians. He's basically say, saying to them, I am who Moses says I am. I want you to listen to him. I want you to do what he says, for I am speaking. I will show you my power. It's going to be manifest. And every time they said no and a plague came, it was another opportunity for them to see God. But instead, what takes place is what I would call cardiac callousness. Uh, all of their hearts became more hardened. I love the scripture in Exodus eight nineteen, where some plagues have been taking place and all of a sudden, Pharaoh's brain trust and his musicians who have been kind of matching God on, uh, 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 on um, manifestation for manifestation, they finally come to the place and this is what they say. Dude, Pharaoh, can't you get this? This is the finger of God. And right after that, it says this, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he wasn't going to listen to them. He wouldn't listen to God. He wouldn't listen to anybody. Same thing 
as we will also begin to see what happens in God's people as they left Egypt to travel through the west side of the Sinai Peninsula. What should have been a two-week journey ends up becoming 38 to 40 years because they doubted God. They doubted his word. They didn't rest and trust in his love, his care, and his provision for them. Yet God is protecting them every step of the way. I want us to remember what's so important to remember about this whole story is as as people who follow God, we are not removed from or immune from the difficulties and the trials of life. James, the half-brother of Jesus, tells us in James chapter 1, he says this, Don't be deceived, my dearly beloved brothers. Every generous act, every perfect gift comes from above. It comes from the Father of lights with him in whom there is no variation. There's no shifting of shadows. What he's saying is God is good. God can be trusted. God has no dark side. Because some people think that, well, you know what? God has this dark side and he promotes all of this evil to move and to do and to place people where he wants them to be. Well, the Bible tells me that God doesn't operate that way. There's no dark side. He's never solicits evil. But here's the deal. We can never forget Romans 8, 28, that God works together all things for good for those who love and are called according to his purposes. Hmm. Are you called? Are you loved? Absolutely. And God says, listen, I don't care if it's COVID. I don't care if it's cancer, whatever it is. I'm not the author of that, but I am going to work those together for your good. If you'll let me, if you'll trust me in the times in between. God is so good. We see Pharaoh that is so prideful. He says, who, who is God? See, God works in us. First Peter 5, 5 says that he gives us grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And that's what he's beginning to do is to stiff arm Pharaoh. Viktor Frankl, the uh, Austrian neurologist and psychologist, and he was a Holocaust survivor uh, after being incarcerated. He said when when asked uh, concerning doctors and, and euthanasia, he said, one thing we must guard against as physicians The person must know that we are coming to serve his life and his health and that we will never come as his executioner. Oh, that's so good. Especially in this day, patients, people that are being cared for have to have confidence in the medical profession, especially during this time when there's talking heads and people saying, oh yeah, we're going to have to decide and determine who lives and who dies. Franco says that should never happen. No patient should ever be concerned of how a doctor is going to come to them. And hear me, loved ones, it's the same thing when it comes to God. It's so important that we have faith in our God that he never comes to be our executioner. And that things happen like that in our life because of God. He has no dark side. Well, what are some things that we can learn that cause a little bit of cardiac callousness? It's important to move this from the theoretical on Pharaoh and to bring it home to our lives in our time in between in our period now. Psalm 96 is a psalm of liturgy that God's people would often 
used in their gatherings in their liturgy. I love this. A lot of us have heard this. Come and let us worship to the Lord. Shout triumphantly. You move down. It says, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord for he's our God. We're his people, his pasture, the sheep of his care. And then this, it's almost like this is parenthetically inserted. And it says, but today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as they did in Merba, in Massa, in the wilderness where your fathers tested me. It's so interesting that we can so quickly forget about God's goodness. Bring a plague, bring a pandemic, bring a difficult diagnosis, bring a loss of a loved one, bring something. And all of a sudden we can forget about the goodness of God and begin to shake our fist even at him. What are some of the things that really callous our heart and make it hard. I think it's pride. First one is pride because Pharaoh in Exodus 5, 2, his simple response was, let my people go. Moses said to him, let my people go. And what does he say? Who's the Lord? I don't know him. Basically, he's saying, I'm king of my own world. I'm going to do what I want. I got a better plan. And so many people can kind of take on that same kind of approach to life. Oh, God, I, come on. Fairy tale, mythology. I can do this. Some people are unresponsive to God's word. Moses continually spoke God's word to Pharaoh. People hear it today. They see it lived out in people, but they continue to reject it. Oh, they come so close to responding, but they just don't. I have a great, I've had some good friends over the years who have come to church and they're still my friends and uh, they come here and they, they love church and they feel inspired by the music and the message. Uh, but then they come to this place where they just go, I love it here. I sense good things. People are wonderful, but I just can't turn the corner from my unbelief to belief. This God thing, I just, I just can't put it together. Well, is that God at work? turning them away or is that their decision? I think it's a lot like Pharaoh. People come to those places where they make that decision and we see it happening in Pharaoh. You'll see at least three places in Exodus 7 through 14 where Pharaoh comes to these crossroads and he has to decide and determine, am I going to believe in God? And there's these points where he says, okay, I'm going to let him go. And then after they start moving out, he says, I'll bring him back. He couldn't quite turn the corner. It's interesting how a given object will, will react when confronted by an outside influence uh, as it really depends really on the nature of the object. Take, for instance, in the winter, you have a frozen river that is surrounded by banks of yellow clay. Well, as the sun comes and shines brightly on it, what's it do to the ice? It begins to melt the ice. But that same sun, that same heat begins to bake the clay on the banks. And hear me, loved ones, isn't that so true how so many people respond to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What softens one heart can quickly and soon harden another. Another thing that can really bring about a callousness of heart, cardiac callousness, is the attitude and ways of compromise 
where we have an attitude here, uh, activity there. We kind of get lazy spiritually in this in-between times instead of focusing on God and saying, God, what do you have for me? What do you want to speak to me today to now? I have high cholesterol. It started uh, 30 years ago. Uh, back then, I was healthy, I was in good shape, and I was eating pretty good. But uh, having young children, I went and I had a blood test done. A guy set me up with an insurance person. So they, they came and they, right here at the church, they did a, a blood test on me. The guy looks at me, he goes, ah, oh, man, easy, you're a premium. I'm just looking at you. I can tell you're a premium. So the blood test goes, and uh, they call me up, and they said, uh, you've been rejected. we got to check on something else. You only came back as good. I said, good, my foot. I'm premium. Look at me. Sorry, sir. Well, I'm just kidding. I didn't really say that, but someone told me that. See, I had no clue of what was going on inside of my heart that the cholesterol was building up. Then I began to realize, you know, it's really probably my my genetic disposition. My grandfather died at uh, 78 at congestive heart failure. My daddy died um, at age 61 of a massive heart attack. So it begins to work that, you know what? Exercise, all those other wonderful things and eating good. Forget it, man. Just give me a big hot dog. But, you know, I've just got this predisposition toward it. But here's the deal. Every one of us spiritually has a spiritual genetic predisposition. It's called sin. And ultimately, it's what begins to harden our spiritual heart and close us off to the person of Jesus Christ. Where like Pharaoh, we don't hear his words. We reject them. So just as I close, I want to challenge you with the words that are in the scripture in a couple of places. Hearken. Hearken. Hear. Take in. Don't harden. Don't do like they did back then. Don't do like Pharaoh did. Hear God's voice. Deal with the unbelief. Whatever is taking place in your life right now, whatever is taking place in your in-between time, uh, don't harden your heart to God's voice, but hearken unto it. And this has to be dealt with at the core of your being through the work of Jesus Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection. You'll begin to get hardened If your questions are always, where is God? Why did God allow this to happen to me? Why is God allowing this to happen? Instead of saying, God, what do you want to teach me in this time in between? And some of us may need to simply be willing to step away from some things. It's an attitude. It's a sin. It's bitterness. It's hurt. It's a failure. This time in between period will end probably sooner than later. And where are you going to find yourself? Where are you going to find yourself with God? Are you going to be believing and hearkening? Or are you going to be doubting and getting hard toward him? He's speaking to us. Step into what he has for you. Don't waste 
this crisis. Pharaoh wanted to be in control and to control, control everything. God wanted to set his people free. And I want to say to you, it's the same thing today. God wants to free you today. So I encourage you, take a moment as we close in prayer and uh, we're going to close with a song that you would say, Lord, I open my life to you. I hear your voice and I want to respond to it and follow you. So let's take a moment and just pray that if that would be you. Father, thanks that, Lord, you call us and you love us and you receive us. You're not here to bring judgment upon us. But you call us today to hearken to your voice. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak and that people would hear and follow you. We give you thanks for this time. In your strong name we pray. Amen. Amen.